I know that this is a replay, but I do want to start it regular. I'll change it, but I had a th- I had a question that I had prepared, and I want to I want to do it. Is that okay? Of course. Okay. So now I'll get ready. I'm, I'm going to wait two seconds, then I'm going to blast into it. Hit. Okay. <laughs> That's what I said like when I wait. That's good. I, when you, as you're anticipating. <laughs> It's like you're an Animal Crossing character <laughs> where you like did the anxious react yes, and you're yes. like, Hoo! you're exactly right. I'm That's shivering. the sound. Yes, yes. It comes out of your controller too. So yeah. it's like even if your TV's muted, your controller's still. Hoo! Yeah, yeah. Tangy when she sees a scorpion. <laughs> it's like, I, I, how do I mute controller? <laughs> my husband is mad because my controller <laughs> keeps making him anxious. Am I the asshole? <laughs> Hello, people who want advice. Welcome to The Replay, where we replay and reply to advice questions uh, from advice columnists in the past, but it's about games. Uh, We're the only husband and wife in podcasting. I'm Eric. I'm Amanda. And uh, I had this question, so that's why we're doing a regular Games and Feelings intro style. Uh, Obviously, going into work is the worst, and having colleagues is terrible, which is why everyone likes working from home. But the thing that I miss the most about it from a game's perspective is that when I cloak my personality from everyone, and then like there's an opportunity for me to say, Ooh. oh yeah, I'm actually very good at this one thing, and everyone goes, what? That's actually pretty good to surprise a bunch of people who don't really know me. Yeah, it really is. What is your favorite like genre to surprise them toward? I don't think it really matters, the genre. I think it's like, this actually happened recently. I was at, when uh, I was doing the live show for the distraction, which we planned, which is actually kind of part of this. I saw my colleagues in person. uh, So I produced a sports show and we were talking about stuff. And I was like, yes, I am a professional dungeon master. And you don't know what a board game is outside of Monopoly. (laughs) Yes, that's right. That's very true. My version of that, I think, is revealing that I have tattoos. Now that I have a lot of tattoos, that's a little bit different. But when I worked at J.P. Morgan, uh, I would wear a, a watch to work every day because literally nobody on my floor of four or 500 people had any visible tattoos. Also in business, you're wearing like a full suit or the equivalent. Like I, I never saw any of my colleagues' upper arms. <laughs> like it was an extremely <laughs> conservative dress environment. Uh, but uh, near my uh, my end of my tenure, I got a little, uh, you know, risque and I showed, you know, like the back of my hairline, which has a tattoo and my, mm. you know, wrist, which has a tattoo. And everyone was like, oh my God. This was about from a gaming perspective. Yeah. I think you might've forgotten your tattoos are for gamers? Yes. Okay, good. No, but from a, a game's perspective, I think it is my, uh, it would be a couple times we did trivia uh, in the office. Oh, good one, good and one. And we did stock picking contests and people, um, both of in both of those scenarios, people were always surprised when I knew things about anything that wasn't finance. Uh, And so when I, for example, was like the person in the room who knew a lot about musical theater or, you know, literature or essentially anything, uh, they were like, whoa, Amanda coming through. And I'm like, I'm a person. I I exist outside of this octagon-shaped building. Yeah. No, I like that. That's actually really good. Do you know that like sometimes streamers, because they run out of things to do and they have too much money, they're like, okay, chat, pick some stocks for me. And then they do that and that becomes like a running content thing. Oh, really? And they always end up picking like, 
you know, there's always like, oh yeah, Apple and Disney and stuff, but almost all the time they pick NVIDIA, which I think is so funny and so really? specific. Because it's a streamer, like, it's a name that streamers know because yeah. of its hardware? Yes, and because, like, they know that the products they make, for those of you who don't know, NVIDIA makes the graphics cards that go into yeah, yeah. PCs, and they always sell out, like, the new ones sell out immediately. Yeah, I So mean, I think it's, like, the idea that they always have products that people want. NVIDIA always shows up. That's actually a really good strategy for picking stocks like that. That, uh, you know, I can go into long detail about why being like, hey, this is a thing that I know is good. And as a user of the industry or like observer of it, I know that they frequently sell out. Uh, that is much better reasons for picking stocks than almost any other reason. First of all, this is my wife, Jim Kramer. It's nice to meet you. Hey, what's up? Amanda here for Amanda's bad buddy. I have no hair and I'm five foot two. <laughs> And the second thing is, like, I understand that, but I have a distinct memory of my mom buying, like, Vera Wang stock because she knew <laughs> that, like, the new wedding dresses were coming out. And I'm like, that can't be a good financial strategy. Yeah, I I don't own any individual stocks. Uh, when I worked in finance, I couldn't, and I just never did. There are people way smarter than me with way more, not even smarter, no. There are people with way more tools than me. True, Manipulating true, true, true. those prices in a way that I couldn't possibly understand. Like, literally, the way to make money on the stock market is uh, insider trading or having a supercomputer. And uh, there, there's not a lot left for the rest of us. Um, but that's why I find things like uh, GameStop and Stonks so incredibly exciting. Because those people are no less qualified than anyone else or allowed to make money on the stock market. Yeah. Yeah, they just kind of work in a building with a lot of glass in it. Yeah. They, like, took a lot of money to build. They do. And they're like, hey, doesn't it suck when the stock market moves for reasons you don't control? And the hedge traders, hedge fund traders were like, I, I can't comprehend this. Uh, the reason why I asked this is I've been thinking about this a lot because um, I lost 50 pounds and no one cares. <laughs> so I'm just like, man, I wish that... Uh, I had some people who saw me every day who knew me only on an associate kind of like acquaintance level. Because they they're you the way more than they care. know you. Right, exactly. Those are the people who would care. And they'd remark on it. And then you'd be like, probably in most cases, I'd say, don't remark on my body. But, but in I'm this like, case, good. Please yes, remark on my please. body. Yeah. It fucking sucks. Yeah. It when sucks and it's stupid. You're just an avatar from the shoulders up. Most of the time, that's great. In this particular case, you're like, right. hey. Because, like, who sees me in person? Me. Perceive me, please. Yeah. It's like, I want to be, please perceive me. This sucks. Yeah. I like that. I thought you were going to ask what part of, um, like, being in an in-person office you miss the most, just generally. And, like, we do to a small extent. Uh, the thing I miss the most was gamifying catering. And oh, I, yeah. as a person in charge of ordering the catering, um, I often uh, sort of manipulated events so that the leftovers that were left pleased me. And oh, sure. it was great. Like, well, you were responsible for catering. Yeah, or, I had to order catering for like a lot of Ah, uh, see, this is different because you are a woman. Yes. So you are that would, you would be in that situation and yes. I would not. Yes, exactly. But I mean, if they're gonna give you the power, you're gonna use it. Yeah. I was like, like, all right, folks, we're having Ethiopian <laughs> today. Yeah, or I mean, I was vegan at the time, so I'm like, yeah, there are going to be twenty percent vegan sandwiches. No one's gonna eat them, Eric, and that's lunch for me for the week. You're just gonna take home all of the eggplant sandwiches. Yeah, and I would make sure the people I liked had had choices they liked and people I didn't didn't. And then I would let my friends know when the catering was done and there was leftovers, and then everyone else just had to pick it over. Yeah. I think about this, it's, this is related because my dad works at a bank, and I guess, like, he's been doing it for a very, very long time, so he's kind of senior now, and, like, 
I was there for a Zoom meeting for like his 30th year working at the bank. Did was that that's correct? Yes. yes. And it was first of all, it was the funniest thing ever seeing it might the have been interns. 20th, but it was it, it was, was a lot. It a was certainly a lot. Yeah. And like seeing the interns who like interned for him were really funny. And then there was like a running joke. At one point I said I had to go to work and everyone laughed and I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, I have a meeting. It's like they didn't believe me. But there was a whole thing about this where ever they ordered only salmon sushi because that's what my dad likes. Incredible. And I'm like, the person who entered this in for my dad is the single, this is the, like, I cannot, I can't comprehend the person on the bottom of the totem pole yeah. who does, who has to do org stuff. Yeah. Uh, who has to do this for my dad for his weird, like, banal tastes. It's so funny. Yeah. Either, either one of his similarly leveled colleagues was like, you know, it'd be funny Let's order Eric's dad 500 pieces oh, of salmon T- sushi. TJ did do that. Yeah. TJ definitely said and that. And then the admin assistant was like, all right, and then texted her group chat as she was putting in an order for like $2,000 of sushi. <laughs> I, I mean, well, it was also like their lunch was yes, the yes, sushi. Yeah. But the way no, that... No, it, it wasn't it wasn't like for show. They just like ordered like a platter for, you know, But like, like I the don't... Meeting. They did order... I wasn't there. So this is what I'm scrying, right? Because I saw it only on Zoom. Uh, like my dad's friend at work is like the weird divorced sad one, and yeah. I have distinct memories of that from middle school and high school. This guy, this guy TJ, and TJ made a joke that like we're all gonna go have salmon sushi, but I don't know if the entire platter was salmon sushi <laughs> or there was like let's make sure to get my dad Eric's dad salmon sushi because that's what he always orders when we do this thing. I but it's funnier in my head if it was like everyone gets salmon sushi, personal sushi, right? Personal or sushi. Maybe Maybe they were taking him out for lunch, just like six or seven of them. Nope. It was in the the office. I remember this being early lockdown, but they were all in person. It was 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 mid-lockdown when people should not be back at work, but but they were. were. Got it. Whereas, like, don't worry, we have, like, HIPAA filters come to work because you have to do finance Yeah, and there were, like, $10,000, like, Cisco video chat systems, and yet the angle was so bad. (laughs) Yeah, it was so funny. It was so funny. Uh, Uh, Well, Eric, I'm glad that we uh, got all our kind of internal, uh, like, office building and, like, shared workspace chat out of the way because this edition of The Replay is, oops, all outdoors. (laughs) It's all outdoors, baby. Everyone else might think, oh, cozy season, time to go inside, la la la. No. Those of us who hate to sweat are outside right now. La la la. Enjoying it. Though if this is all outdoors, which I think, if I remember correctly, these questions are answered by Blair Braverman, notorious person who's outside and uh, loves telling people about it and is, uh, wants people to go outside. Yes. At least I'll be wearing a shirt that's appropriate to sweat in. Yeah. I think that this is this is more the issue and that I've understood more as I've had to mandatory sweat to uh, shrink my body. Um, It's about sweating in inopportune times. Yes. My body is still hot, and I sweat in the shirt that I was wearing in public. But I can sweat in my gym clothes, but it's like, are you going to give me the time to put the gym clothes on? Yes. The the worst part is, is having sweated. And needing to do other things. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I've been going to yoga a lot and similar. Like, I, it's, it's pouring off me. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, I go home and shower and, like, everything's fine. But you can wear athleisure more in more places. Yeah, but afterward, it's like, 
it's wet. Oh, after. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. But before, like, you can set it up so it works. Yeah. The, the worst was, like, walking to work when I had to wear a full suit to finance and it was, like, 95 degrees outside. And exactly. then I had to, like, do my entire day. Or even, like, you're in school and wearing your clothes and it is sweaty. Yes. Or you just came off of gym and you haven't stopped sweating yet. I feel like that's the thing I'm going to talk about when I'm elderly is that my elementary, middle, and high schools had no air conditioning. That's <laughs> crazy. There was no air conditioning. Oh, my God. And it, it was, was really hot. It was really hot. For like three of those months at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's hot. It was hot. Ridiculous. Well, Eric, as you said, you uh, found an excellent source of new replay questions, which I'm always looking for. So uh, hit me up at She's So Mickey or uh, email the show if you have any uh, recs. But this, Amanda, you are so Mickey. Like, that no is one's, No one's talking about this. Your mom says that to me and I'm like, oh red to filth. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Though your extended family does only know me as El Silvero, which is weirder than my that. My coolest aunt and no one else. I mean, they still know it. They just didn't say it to yeah, my yeah, face. That's true. Um, but Blair Braverman, you may know uh, from social media. Uh, she is a professional. She does lots of things professionally. She's a writer. Um, but she lives in Alaska with her husband. Uh, they were on Naked and Afraid together. Uh, and they race Dogs. They do dog sled racing. Yeah. She's and those, the best. Do- those dogs are famous. Yes. You know about Flurm. You know about Flurm. Everyone loves Flurm. Ah, uh, Noodle. Like, there are so many good dogs over there. And uh, she has written Welcome to the Goddamn Ice Cube, a memoir about uh, mushing and uh, dog sledding, uh, as well as a uh, spooky novel about a naked and afraid style abandonment reality TV show. Do you read that? I did. You did? Yeah. How has Blair Braverman not been on Spirits yet? That's a great question. Hang on. Head of creative, Taking Eric Silver, folks. A quick little DS Slack to myself. Put it in the Remember Blair channel. We have a Remember spirits. channel on Slack, which is just Eric and Amanda, where we uh, tell each other things, good ideas to remember for later. Yeah, when when we're not at our desks, which is uh, very helpful. Anyway, so she writes a column for Outside Magazine. It is a, uh, it's called Tough Love. It is about, uh, quote, dating breakups and everything in between. But you pointed out, there are some things there about sports. And so I have begun with the uh, the question that you found, and you know mm. the headline, but I've also uncovered some good ones from the archives. So want to jump in? Hell yeah. Yes. I did not read. I do not remember this question, and I didn't read it at all because I immediately just sent it to you, so it's out of my brain. So I'm coming to this clear-eyed. Uh, I'm really interested. Blair's also very thoughtful. So yes. like anything I say is going to be harsher than the thing that she says. So I'm actually kind of excited about it because after all of this Dear Prudence uh, nonsense from the various Dear Prudences that exist, it's always like I say something harsher, but then they say something that's, that's soft but totally fucking out of bounds. Yes. So I'm very excited about this. Also, remember, we're doing the replay because this is a main feed episode. If you want more of these episodes, we do them on the Patreon. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash games and feelings. Give us five dollars. Yeah. Five dollars. Per month. Five dollars a month. Yeah. That's, that's like so one, little. One wool sock. <laughs> one. A lot of Blair's articles are about wool. She's a lot of explainers. That's about what I was trying clothing. to say is like what Blair is saying is like it's more about wearing things you can sweat in because Blair has like wool socks sweat waking tank top yes and like leggings that both are keep your heat in but also keep you cool question mark 
Yeah. Uh, for, so as I was going through the uh, the column, I also just opened some tabs just for just for Amanda's, uh, one of which is titled Blair Braverman's Favorite Active Bra-Friendly Dresses. Exactly. <laughs> a very important caveat. Yeah. So she she's full of practical advice and she's got a lot of empathy. Um, so like she, you know, she is a, a queer woman. Her husband is trans. They're Jewish. Like they there are a lot of reasons why they have had to carve out niches for themselves in the outdoors, in Alaska, in the different like competitive communities that they're in. And so her perspective is often one of like, hey, you are welcome here too. No question is stupid. And like, let me let me kind of welcome you in and and show you that it's possible to exist here while also kind of being safe. Um, so that's that's her stance. And I think I think it's gonna be interesting how your advice kind of stacks up. I'm interested also the people. So this is Outside Magazine, yeah. Yes. So I'm very interested of the types of questions they write in as opposed to the people who write in to advice questions on Slate, which is where like you take a break. <laughs> From being the, I don't know, president of a nonprofit board and yelling at (laughs) and yelling at your subordinates for 20 minutes. And you're like, woo, I'm going to write in about my marriage to Slate. Exactly. Uh, I'm I'm sensing that most of these questions come from Blair's audience. But let's let's review at the end of the episode. No, I mean, it's probably good. Like, I'm sure. No, they're good. So this headline that grabbed you is my nephew is a great athlete, but he might be cheating. Do I report it? Oof, God. All right. My wife's nephew, age 10, is very talented in his sport. Oh, age 10. I didn't even know that. Oh. Since my wife's family doesn't have much money, and my wife and I have two incomes and no kids, we've been helping out by contributing to his training and expenses. He's a sweet, talented kid and works very hard. There's no doubt about that. We also enjoy the chance to be involved and follow along with his competitions. The problem is that I recently saw something that indicates he might be cheating. My wife is completely in denial about it and claims nothing is going on. She even gets angry when I try to bring it up. Last time I tried, she said she wasn't going to talk to me about this and she left the room. I've been worrying a lot in the situation, mainly because I've always felt strongly about honesty and I don't want to support someone who's cheating. I'm not sure what to do. I've even thought about going to officials and reporting him anonymously. In my mind, the reason we support his athletics isn't because he's great at his sport, even though he is, or because we expect it to be his full-time career someday. We support him because it's something he loves, and he's learning skills like hard work, dedication, persistence, and problem-solving. I hate the idea that this thing that's supposed to be good might actually be teaching him the wrong lessons. What would you do in this situation? Talk to his parents, officials, not say anything at all? I've tried, but I just can't let go. What sport? Does it say what sport? It doesn't say what sport. That's my first question for you. How can a 10-year-old cheat? I don't and know. And also be not found out. I don't know. I have no clue. Uh, like, he calls them competitions, okay. not games. So something about this makes me think it's individual, like yeah. martial arts, or s- tennis. Oh, martial arts is good. Yeah. No, it's probably like martial arts. That's my guess. Like, kids who are 10 or wrestling. aren't like, running track. Kids who are 10 aren't even wrestling, I feel. No, I don't know. I think it's got to be like a martial arts situation. Let's assume it's an individual sport. Yeah. And they say training and expenses. So, I mean... Martial arts, you do training, sure. Expenses, I guess you need gear. But I, yeah. I don't know. Like, it, that, tennis, maybe swimming? But, like, but like even hot, yes, yeah, swimming, I guess. But how do you choosing. cheat? I don't know how you cheat. Like, yeah. I don't know how you cheat, especially in a way that isn't facilitated by the parents. Like, you can't be buying better gear. So I am so puzzled. I, I, have, I have no idea what he could possibly be cheating at. No. I think for this reason, you just don't say anything. I understand that they're 10 and... You're trying to instill values in stuff, but like kids also have personalities and they need 
So one, this kid might be a douche. First of all, can we can we acknowledge the kid's a douche? Can we acknowledge the kid's a douche? Maybe. Maybe, Maybe he's incredibly anxious, doesn't want to fail. Yeah. I don't know. Or and second, the thing that I have learned the most on my 32-year-old trip around this earth is that no one learns anything by giving them you giving them advice and giving a talking to. Yes. It is just a blip upon the story that is eventually they get caught or they don't. I, I just, I don't think that if you are pushing this, yes, it is racking you inside enough that you wrote into this advice column and your wife doesn't want to talk about it, then, I, I, dude, like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Because you're kind of out of options. You're yeah. kind of out of options. I think that kids are so complicated because people have a lot of themselves invested into child because child is a minor. So, like, there's a lot of space for adults to put things on them. Yes. So you can't really do anything about it. And the second thing is, like, you can't stop it. No one's going to believe you. Don't go to an official. That's so stupid. That is like, that is so. That's going tattling. to blow up your life yeah. if you do that. And your family. Like yeah. that. Oh boy. Uh, I I totally agree. I I really, like, probably because, you know, I'm curious and this is an advice column. I, I want to know how this adult could be so convinced that this child is cheating and why the child's parents don't know. Or if they do know, or if they're implicated, or like, like how how is it like? Well, it must be the ten year old. <laughs> like ten year olds are, you know, are smart, but they're not that smart. They can't reach that much. Like they they don't have money. Like how how could he be cheating in a way that no other adults who are responsible for his moral development or the competition have noticed? Yeah, if there's anything we've learned from the various parenting columns we've looked at, is like you can't really do anything because the parents don't want to do anything. Like uh, you can't. There is no situation, unless the parents are doing something that physically endangers a child, so the social contract says you cannot step in. Or then, it will go really badly for you if you do step in. So l- let me also say another thing is like, what again, no one's going to listen to you. <laughs> like, no one, the kid, if you, if you got to the kid, the kid's not going to listen to you. Your wife doesn't want to listen to you. They're, the kid's parents will not listen to you. I learned this a long time ago because I felt this way about a lot of things. Like, oh, I'm seeing people treat, act a type of way. This is going to lead to worse behavior. And even if you flag that behavior or even if you flag like, oh, this person is is like mean and I think it's going to really endanger or be really rude and makes me hurt more. No one's going to listen to you until they do the thing that infringes on the social contract. Like, uh, you know, the precogs, we all we talk about minority <laughs> yes. report. Minority Report, they basically, like, plug technology into these people's brains and they predict crimes before they happen, right? right? But the thing is that the whole morality thing is, can you arrest someone for a crime that didn't happen yet? No, you really can't. Even if, like, you would want to, you can't. That's the same thing with behavior. Is like, you cannot get someone until they do something. And even then, you just look like someone who says, I told you so. Which is good for you, but does not keep you warm at night. So mm-hmm. it's like, you can't really do anything. I know it sucks. I guess with kids, it's a little more complicated, but it's like, you can't really do anything. You want to hear what Blair had to say? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Blair's probably going to say something way more empathetic and understanding, but I'm just like, I, you're out of luck, my man. I know that this is tearing you up inside, but if no one wants to hear it, you're kind of stuck. Welcome to society. Word. 
So I'll it, it's a it's a thoughtful and and long response uh, linked as always in the episode description if you want to read it yourselves, guys. Uh, you have uh, up to five articles in Outside Magazine for free per month, by the way, uh, for for paywall uh, management. For those of you who have already used your five articles, I'm so sorry. Just put on that incognito. <laughs> Just wait till that uh, that clock ticks over to a new month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so she says. I'm not sure why you think he might be cheating, but it seems like mostly a suspicion on your part at this point. Yeah, for sure. It's important to figure things out within the family first. And if he did cheat, I mean, that's serious, but this is still a kid we're talking about. And I think kids should be given a lot of grace for their mistakes, at least the first time. I know many people who, for example, slipped a piece of candy from a store in their pocket at that age, but they've grown up to become scrupulous, ethical adults. In other words, his actions at age 10 don't represent his ultimate morality, but instead could indicate a need for a conversation about how cheating harms everyone. I'm sure Blair edited out, yeah, what if kid's a douche? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing like you would you would... You know, we've been in a situation where, like, we've hung out with people and then, like, you know, on the subway home, be like, wow, that person's kind of a little shit, huh? And, yeah. like, that's, I don't know, that's that's when you recognize it. You can't change their behavior, but you can say to each other, uh-huh, and then, like, move on with your life. Right, exactly. Um, and you, youth sports, 10-year-old sports is not the governing body where you need to be a whistleblower. Yeah. Uh, Blair also points out... Another possibility is if he did cheat, he might have been put up to it by an adult. Adults adults can get really invested in kids' sports, particularly if they're achievers. And there are several kinds of cheating that will be hard for a kid to pull off without adult involvement. Maybe your nephew feels he has to cheat in order to make people proud. Or maybe he's been put into a situation he doesn't want to be in and is following the instructions of a coach, mentor, or relative. Mm -hmm. However, that's layering one assumption on top of another. For now, let's assume that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about sports, like cheating, the idea of cheating is so complicated. And like, what is cheating as opposed to like being taught by coaches that this is an advantage? I think about football a lot. This has been coming up a lot. Do you know about the tush push? Have you heard about the tush (gasps) push? No. Or you know I would have been saying it every day. Yeah. Okay. So the tush push is this one play (laughs) that is run by the Philadelphia Eagles, which is where- Go Eagles, where um, so you know what? A, do you know what a quarterback sneak is? <laughs> no. no. Okay. So there before quarterbacks were mobile, aka allowed uh, people who were not just uh, to weird, weird white men to be quarterbacks. The other day I said, Eric, why are they all handsome? And he had a great answer. Yeah, because it's, it's <laughs> being a quarterback has forty percent charisma, a la being handsome. Um, they would do a play called the quarterback sneak, which is where you try to get like. You know, you got to get the first down. Everyone knows this. Taylor Swift fans have already told you how to play football. You guys know it already. But it's like you try to get the first down and you have one yard to go, right? So what you do is, you know, the way that football, American football plays are laid up where it's like you have the offensive line and then you just try to like, basically the quarterback just goes, eh. Yeah, you try to push it. And throws their body to to over there, right? "Eh." So with the... Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, they do something called the tush push, or other people are pushing the brotherly shove, which is worse. Where basically the big linemen, some of them get behind the quarterback and do a rugby style push to get them the extra yard or so. That's good. And the Eagles are very good at it. Everyone else is very bad at it. Even people who try to reproduce this are bad at it. Interesting. And there's a whole thing about how this is illegal because one, 
I mean, the NFL is bullshit. So it's like, oh, the Eagles have an unfair advantage. We have to take it out. But two, they're saying it's cheating because no one's done it before. And also it might lead to health and safety violations. Oh, my God. Which, eat shit. I know. All of football is a health football and safety violation. Health and violation. Yeah, exactly. To be clear. To be clear. Exactly. You, so th- you can't pick and choose when they make a play that you can't do. Welcome to the National Football League. So Ugh. an idea of cheating might be another coach's advantage. Um, or trying to flout the rules to get a le- to get a leg up. Hmm. So it's very complicated. I think what players said that's actually quite complicated is like if a coach is telling this ten year old to do this, does the coach not think it's cheating, but you do? Right. And then it becomes like again, if the officials don't catch it, then it's not cheating. Yeah, well said. Well, Blair does have some recommendations. I think talking to your wife seriously should be your first step. It's clearly a tender subject for her, so schedule it in advance so she doesn't feel like it's sprung on her. I don't see the problem. Obviously, it's too dramatic for her. Well, it's obviously wrapped up. Go back to the beginning of the of the question. Yes. The letter writer says, since my wife's family doesn't have much money and my wife and I have two incomes and no kids, we've been helping out by contributing to his training and expenses. Right. Obviously, your wife feels like this is her contributing to her family yeah. and she is in a fine because and she feels guilt about that because she's in a financially stable situation and she doesn't want any of that threatened because it makes her her life feel secure i don't talk about it i don't think it's worth talking about well what blair says is like i i think you should talk to her because she might have like a strong reaction related to old stuff rather than this. Like, for example, she might feel like you jump to conclusions or you're quick to mistrust her family. Like, there, there could be <laughs> a lot in there, right? But, but legitimate. Like, that's valid. No, I mean, it's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Blair continues, maybe she knows something you don't know. Remember that as close as you are to them, this is her family of origin. There might be context or dynamics that have been at play for decades that you're not aware about. Yeah, I guess it's the question has to be, hey, why are you so upset whenever I bring this up? Yeah, but said in a different way. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like that's the, that has to be the context of the question. Yeah, exactly. So that's step one, which which I do agree about, and and I think hey, I was wife, the why conversation. Are you so crazy? <laughs> no, I think I would approach that by being like. You're allowed to tell me you're tired of talking about this and bored, but, like, I want to make sure there's not something I'm missing about the situation because, like, there's something here that I'm not understanding. I just don't know if Question Asker is going to be able to put his, like, yeah. his whistleblower hat <laughs> off. He, he's not going to be able to take that away from the situation. Like, can't you see 50% of these conversations going, the kid's cheating! I don't know why you was like, the kid's <laughs> Me too, yeah. My favorite line of the letter is, I've always felt strongly about honesty. Like, <laughs> no. okay, okay, calm down. All right, so let's let's close out Blair's response. Um, I feel like I'm doing that thing where I call a woman scientist by her first name, but like her name's Blair Braver. Her name, people she's call just her Blair. I mean, they call her Blair because of like the internet. That's what the dog the dogs yeah. call her Blair. Her Blair, yeah. All right, so she finishes with. The next step, if your wife agrees, would be talking to the nephew's parents. My inclination no. would be to let them take the situation from there. The fact that you sponsor your nephew financially will be a convenient lever. It's fair to say, whether to your wife or your nephew's parents, that you're not willing to keep supporting him until you see this concern addressed. Uh, pause. Amanda here. I think that sucks. No, this sucks. Yeah. No, don't do this. I know Blair is trying to like be empathetic and give you the steps to do the thing that Question Asker wants. But again... You can't precog this. Yeah. Someone, an official or someone needs to get caught. And then you can say, I wish we, I had, only if you want to do this to say later, I told you so, I wish we had talked about it. Yeah. That then, just makes you look. But again, it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't actually help. Yeah. Uh, and then Blair concludes with saying, in part, I hope your nephew isn't cheating. 
And if that's the case, you may want to look at your own proclivity for making assumptions. Got him. Fucking got him. I think there's a lot here about why this letter writer is so invested and what the hell could be going on. This is not a 17-year-old who is taking steroids that endanger his health, you know? Or even, like, even to add on to this, this is not a 17-year-old taking steroids to get scholarship for right. college. which is this very is complex, yeah. 10-year-old. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not sure. Dying to know what the answer was. Uh, but that's, uh, that's what we've got from our column number one from Outside Magazine. All right. Hey, it's Eric, and I have so much leftover Halloween candy. Take it. I ate all the Reese's, but you can have anything else. If I look at anything that has chocolate or peanuts in it, I will hurl into my slowly moldering jack-o'-lantern. And it's not for a sad reason why I have all this candy. I just bought too much. Uh, because plenty of kids came and asked me for candy, and I said yes, and I felt fulfilled. Thanks, society. <laughs> First of all, hello to Gabe, who became our newest patron at patreon.com slash games and feelings. You're supporting us. Thanks, Gabe. You're great. Gabe was also an annual uh, patron where you can get 12 months for the price of 10 if you pay for the whole year up front. Uh, so, Gabe, thank you. You're the best. Also, the best producer level patrons, Polly Burge, Kelsey Duffy, and Peyton, who are all very proud of me when I 100%ed Spider Man 2 on Halloween because I was sick and couldn't go do anything fun. But instead, I got my first platinum trophy because now I have a PS5 and I care about that. It is a great day to try a new show from the Multitude Podcast Collective, like Join the Party. It's our actual play podcast. Listen, I put so much time and effort into it. If you like this show and you're not listening to Join the Party, please, please do it. I'm the best DM in podcasting. It's one of the best Dungeons & Dragons shows since 2017, and we've been doing it for a very long time. We're currently doing a One Piece-inspired campaign where it's all plants and bug people, so it's pirates and plants and bugs. Like, it's fun. We have so many episodes. Go check it out. Join the party wherever you can get your podcasts. Jasper was on it. We, it's good. It's good. We're doing some really interesting stuff, some really interesting guest stuff coming up, so uh, this is a good time to hop on. We are also sponsored this week by Ravensburger Jigsaw Puzzles. Did you know that Ravensburger produces more than just classic jigsaw puzzles and board games that we know so well? I didn't. Tell me about it. That's a different show, but you get it. Introducing Creart by Ravensburger, the ultimate painting by number experience. You'll find everything you need to know to start your artistic journey today with Ravensburger's carefully curated painting by number kits. Whether you're a seasoned artist seeking a new challenge or a beginner eager to explore the world of painting, Ravensburger's kits cater to all skill levels and ages. Embrace the therapeutic benefits of painting by number as you melt away the stresses of daily life and find solace in the act of creation without facing the pressure of a blank canvas. Stop selling me the things I need as a stressed out millennial. Stop it. But actually, don't stop it because this is great. Explore the wide selection of Ravensburger's enchanting designs on Amazon, ranging from majestic landscapes to adorable animals and everything in between. Let your imagination run wild and embrace the joy of painting with Creart by Ravensburger. Shop for Creart on Amazon today. And now, we're getting back to the show. Eric, this is a question that I think bridges two of our loves. Competitive reality shows. and making fun of people who love the outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> we don't love the second one, but I, I was, love the second one, I was but you grasping were really, for it. You really wanted to set up that joke. I was grasping joke. for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. 
This is a, another question from Outside Magazine. This one was from um, also just a couple weeks ago, um, from yesterday at the time of recording. Wow. And it's titled, My Friend Keeps Trying to Get Us Stranded in the Wilderness. <laughs> Subtitle, He's a Big Fan of Survival Shows, and I Think He's Trying to Recreate One. You can't put someone on a reality show without their consent. You just, <laughs> you just cannot. Right. All right, Eric, here's the question. I think my friend is trying to get stuck in the wilderness. <laughs> this year, we started taking weekend backpacking trips together and have a nice time. Last time, we were hiking to the trailhead on Sunday, and there were dark clouds gathering in the sky. But according to the weather report, it wasn't supposed to storm until afternoon. I thought we could make it easily, but it seemed like he kept stalling along the way. And finally, he said that we wouldn't make it out in time and we should set up camp and wait out the weather. He seemed very cheerful about it. I said that was unnecessary, and sure enough, we got to the car with plenty of time. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, nah, man, nah, man, hunger down, man. <laughs> this is like a Lifetime movie. <laughs> right? I think, Eric, they're in love, and the one who's stalling wants to engineer a, like, stranded one-bed scenario. You know this trope? I do. Yeah. I feel like you've read the end of the question, and I need no, more No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. No, I think it's the thing. If it was that, this is incredibly funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> writing in saying, hey, writing into a device column saying, hey, I think this guy's trying to strand me in the woods, <laughs> and the guy's like, I'm so in love with Catherine. <laughs> right. It made me realize how often he suggests this kind of thing. <laughs> Like that we can't keep going on the way back or we'll have to wait out the weather. One time he said a trail was impassable, but we got through fairly easily. <laughs> this is so funny. I'll admit I felt a little thrilled at the thought of staying out too, but I quickly thought better of it. My friend loves survival shows and often says he'd do well on Alone. Am I off base for thinking that maybe he's trying to make that happen in real life? To be clear, I don't feel scared, but I do feel like on some level he is wanting us to get stuck out there. Is this dangerous? What is the best way to handle it? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to answer from my experience as someone who lives with Amanda McLaughlin. <laughs> I know from experience that you can just... Go to a website, read a blog, and like train to be on these shows. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's this because there's no way this guy is this into alone. And I'm saying this for someone like you who is so into different types of these shows, but yeah. Survivor, Big Brother, etc. And not know and not get further into the fandom as you are if he's this into the show. For example, Amanda has told me many times that there are websites and podcasts and consulting you can buy to get yourself ready to be on Survivor. There's American Ninja Warrior and the challenge, like, training camps where you can, like, go through, you know, scale models or, like, full-size examples of those challenges. Well, the training camp for the challenge is worse reality shows. It's Big Brother, yeah, And then yeah, again, yeah. and then go into the challenge. That's but... true. Make enemies on Big Brother, yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm just surprised that this guy, I don't think it's this. I know we were joking about the thing you said. I'm not joking. But I I'm think not it's joking. that. I'm I think joking. it's way more of that because, again, you can train. If you want to be on a loan, just say, hey, I'm taking a week off. I'm going to try to live in the woods. Yeah, I've, I've watched alone. And so even if you're not in the in the fandom, just a casual watcher of the show, all of the contestant bios start with all the things they've done to prepare. They've That's been what like, I'm saying. Yes, like, you like I, you It know. is impossible for you to be a fan yes. of these shows and not 
do two clicks to figure out what you could do to also simulate at least. Every, yeah, everybody's being like, "Oh yeah, I made a hut in my backyard and like lived there for a week. I, you know, like learned all the skinning and trapping. I, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, have learned how to do the fish nets in the river. Like everybody talks about what they've done to prepare. And alone specifically is like, hey, this is incredibly dangerous, and we don't cast people who can't do this. And so they talk about like the show is making you see how much preparation. So even more so in. than Survivor. Yeah. Yes. It's literally right there. Yes. I, so that's why I don't think it's. In, I don't think that this guy wants to get you involved. No. In his alone fantasy. Like yeah, if he did, and he said like, just like you said, Eric. Like if he's like, hey, I'm gonna like make a little hut, try to live in my backyard. Would you like check on me twice a day? Would you, you know, like encourage me? Would you keep me company? Like that is more regular. That is very I, regular. It, I'm trying to think of the words to phrase this. That would be so much easier. That's not weird. That, yeah. it, it, it this doesn't like, have to be a heist. <laughs> right, exactly. He would not have to do this if yes. he wanted to do that. Yes. Yeah. That's wild. I do think, yeah, I think he wants to set up a meat cute. That's that's the only thing I can think of. Or slightly less than that, maybe he really likes it and doesn't want the experience to end. Like, I, I think it means something mm. that it's always on the way back to the car. You know? Which is I sweet. understand. But it's like the way that this woman, I'm assuming it's a woman, is framing this is like, hey, my friend has serial killer behavior. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, there's no, there, like, this could easily be the beginning of, you know, a, a true crime <laughs> uh, story. Yeah. But this is this is none of those vibes. Um, it, the funny thing about it was like, guess we had to camp. And we were, and then she said... <laughs> I'm imagining this as like a script. Yeah. And then he's like, oh no, the clouds are coming. We have to camp. And then the woman is like, I can see the car. The from car's here. right there. And then <laughs> you, the light, the light on top of the bathrooms. I can see it through the trees. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Do I know what Blair has to say? I do, because I think we called we called bunk on the question asker's situation. So she says, I'll confess I find your friend's efforts a little charming, even though, let me be clear, it's very irresponsible to try to get trapped. See, even Blair thinks that it's a wee cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blur. Yeah. Um, she has some very good and normal advice about the fact that lost hikers put rescuers at risk also and, like, being silly <laughs> about your health and body endangers, like, other hikers, the environment, people who want to hike and hear st- stories about, like, boneheaded hikers and are like, oh, I guess it's not for me, etc. She says, if you ever for a second get the vibe that your friend's sabotaging your trips, misplacing supplies, saying he's bringing things he's not bringing, etc., like, don't put yourself in a situation <laughs> where he could be, you know, infringing on your safety. That's what I'm saying, though, is, like, I know that this guy is being super weird. I don't think he's doing that. Yes. Like, she he's agrees. not like, oh, I misplaced the food. We have no food. Right. And we're, we're 10 miles. We're 10 hours away from the car. Like, he's not doing that. No, that's fucked up dangerous. And I'm sure people do it, but that's not what we're dealing with here. Right. And Blair agrees. She says, it doesn't really sound from your examples like he's doing dangerous stuff. Sounds like he's just (laughs) hoping in his heart that he might have to sleep out an extra night or wait out a rainstorm in a tent in the way someone might fantasize about getting stuck at a dream vacation destination so they don't have to leave. I think that the different – I think that this guy is also a little, like – He's not ready to put this in his own hands. He's not ready to tell someone, be like, I want to go sleep outside in the woods for three days. Like, I hope that the advice is, can you empower your friend? (laughs) Yes. 
It really is, Eric. Oh, wow. She says, I wonder if your friend's reluctance to reach the trailhead and your own thrill at the thought of staying out is a sign that you're craving and ready for longer trips with all the fluidity that they entail. And also Kias. And maybe Kias. (laughs) And maybe you Kias. Is he up for four days? Five? Are you? If doubling or tripling your distances seems daunting, maybe give yourselves more days for the same length of trip. Set up a base camp, explore, take day heights en route, etc. without the pressure of constantly moving and hauling additional food and supplies. And then you kiss? And then maybe kiss? Another option, if your friend wants the excitement of feeling stuck out there, is to hire a boat to leave you on an island with supplies, then have it come back and pick you up at a set time later. Exactly. Like, these are real things that people do all the time. Yeah, she says you can even offer to split up for a while and let your friend truly try out being alone, but check in with him a couple times a day. And then he said, no, I really miss you. I really miss you. I really want to kiss. I want to kiss. What if we kissed? Yep. Uh, Haha, what if we kissed? Well, alone. <laughs> well, Blair Blair doesn't say you should perhaps kiss, but she does say very sweetly, like, you don't need an excuse to want to be out in nature longer. You can stay because it feels like home and you love it. Like, you're, you're allowed, and maybe he's searching for an excuse to do so. I kind of love these particular advice columns, uh, like this one and uh, Ola Papi, yeah. where it's like, Really, the advice question is the jumping off point for a beautiful essay. It is. And I just, that's good. That's hot shit. That's what I want. I don't want this absolute nonsense that I'm getting from Slate constantly. Like, I want this. Yeah, it's it's really lovely. And I'm I'm pulling out the, you know, highlights of Blair's responses, but they really are very beautiful. And like, you know, little... A little moment here of myself like she has a lot of extremely like encouraging advice to be like one of her articles that I first read was like hey literally how do I like sleep outside overnight <laughs> like what, what do I need mm. uh, what might happen uh, what is it like what what am I what might I be scared about and she goes into it without judgment which I think is really lovely and she is a beautiful writer so you should really check it out use those five articles have you uh, slept outside before uh in my backyard in the suburbs of New York City oh yeah, nice. we would we would tent we would have like a big tent and camp outdoors oh, uh, and then like use the bathroom inside. But I really want to. And I I just never have had a like, I don't know, either someone who I felt was stoked about it enough that me not knowing how to sort of pull my weight would be OK. Uh, like someone who's like, oh, yeah, like, let me show you. Like, let me, you know, I'll set up the whole thing, like show you how to do it or just like. I live in New York City, like <laughs> the, the yeah. time and, and equipment to do it. Yeah. You always need someone who like knows how to do all the stuff. Because if you don't know how to do something, you can be in real shit. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to put a tarp down is a big deal. I don't know how to hang my food if I am in uh, places where there are big things who want to eat my food. Yeah. And she's a lot of very good advice. Like start in your backyard. Like start with a friend who knows it really well. You can drive somewhere, set up camp, spend the day there, drive home. Like there's, you know, she has very good advice for sort of easing into it. Mm. I do want to be on Survivor. And I think I will, in fact, make a video and send it in. But like, boof, there's a lot of just like, I did a lot of this, but at summer camp, like doing camping outdoors. And we had really long camping trips, like five, six day camping trips. Um, but it's like, if I don't even have cards, like, am I just going to be sitting there hungry and then like, oh God, good. Then I have to like expend, I have to do a challenge (laughs) with together by a reality show team. That would be wild. Yeah. Though I think I do need to get on the show for me to ultimately get the job that I want, which is games consultant on reality shows. Yeah. Um, I saw the credits of a reality show recently and someone's title was games producer and I was like, fuck. What? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, can Eric find her on LinkedIn and talk That to her? could be me. I know. Hey, can I pick your brain? Yeah. Genuinely 
You'd be so good at it. I would love that. It would be great. My sister called me recently and was like, hey, I accidentally saw an episode of Big Brother. That challenge is absolute bullshit. Why don't they hire Eric? And I was like, great question. Great question. Great question. <laughs> All right, I know. Eric. Let's, uh, let's do one more question from Blair. Okay. Okay. This is titled, The Fine Art of Teaching Your Significant Other to Ski. I'm already a podcaster. It's like, usually it's the <laughs> other way around. Here we go. My partner is an ex-semi-pro skier. Oh, boy. <laughs> Lots of words there. He's kind, patient, emotionally intelligent, and very competitive. This summer, I taught him to climb, which he agreed to if he could teach me to ski. Fast forward whoa, a few whoa, months. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Eric, mid-coffee, let's stop. Hold on. You didn't know how to ski until this moment? Why is why are you so surprised? I'm already seeing that this is a point of conflict in their relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like it's like oh, I think I, it would be too weird for me to do it, and but and he probably just wants you to, to learn how to ski so you can do the thing that that was the biggest part of his young life. Yes. <sighs> X pro to never have skied. That's a. That's a big distance. Because I can already see this. I felt this way about video games for a very long time. It was like, all right, I have to put away my childish things, yes. which is professionally skiing. <laughs> but then, like, no, it can just be a part of your life. In this situation, I can see it's like, well, I'm older now. I have this wife who doesn't even know how to ski. I have put away my childish things. But really, how does Question Asker not know how to ski in this relationship? If you were with someone who was professional at any point in their life, and probably still likes to do this thing. How do you not know at least how to do it? I think about, um, who's that chef who met his wife at a cooking class that he ran? Oh, yes. Jet, uh, Jet Tila and his wife, whose name I don't know. Right, yeah. right. And it was like, well, that makes sense. You don't have to be professional at it. But it's like, wouldn't two people come together around interests that they love so much? And I think skiing, though... It sounds like she's she is, has been resistant to skiing if they will only do the hobbies of each other that they like as a trade. I am very puzzled why this is framed as a trade. Can I tell you my headcanon here? Please. I think this is like month four of their relationship. I think this is early in the really? relationship. Yeah, because I know I know that the question asker is referring to their partner as their partner, but it feels like a thing that comes up very early in the relationship, to your point. Well, that's why I'm like, but you don't write in to Outside Magazine if you are only four months into a relationship. So maybe, though. So the question asker says, you know, this summer I taught him how to climb. Fast forward a few months, it's winter and I'm terrified. It feels like they met in, like, March, and then, like, some of their first things were over the summer, and she was like, they live in Denver. Let's say, okay, great. They live in Denver. And she's like, oh, okay, great. Like, let me teach you how to climb. And then uh, now it's like October and he's like, okay, great, babe. Like, time to go. And uh, she's like, uh-oh, like, what have I committed to here? That's just my headcanon. I don't know why I'm picking up on that vibe, but it feels like something that would absolutely come up super early in the relationship where either it's like, that's so funny. I know nothing about it. Like, tell me about this world. That's why I'm surprised she doesn't know how to ski. I mean, lots of people don't ski. It's expensive and hard to get to, et cetera, et cetera. But you know who would be able to help them and maybe have <laughs> friends at the mountain and maybe some extra skis that they got for free for winning competitions? Well, let me tell you a little bit perhaps why the question asker has some baggage around this. Okay. Okay. Uh, the question continues. My, parentheses, very expensive, holy cow, skis are getting tuned, parentheses, is that the right term, as I write this. So it's too late to back out. But it seems like every friend I talk to tells me not to let my significant other teach me to ski. They say things like, that's how you almost broke up. Or one time I taught my girlfriend to ski. She's not my girlfriend anymore. 
Now, I don't think what we're going to... What the gonna, fuck? Right? Like, what, what the, the fuck? Heck? So, also, it's not that expensive if this is your main hobby. The, we are, there is a camera in this studio that is $600. Yeah, we use it for the job we have. I also don't know why she would buy skis. He she... probably had skis or got them or he sourced them. And he's like, oh, you got to have good skis. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like, what? how much is expensive? Is $500 for skis expensive to one person and very cheap to another person? I- I'm not sure. Like, there's there's lots of... There's lots of ways, like, is this person, like, doing the equivalent of buying a very expensive road racing bike because they want to, like, get into cycling for fitness, you know, or, like, have started dating somebody who's into cycling? Or, like, like why why does someone buy skis? Why did someone buy skis? <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm very confused here. I skied as a kid. We rented them every time because, like, kids grow yeah. and it makes no sense to own skis I if you only enough, ski a bit. I skied enough with my mom and my stepdad at the time because my mom was into speed skating and was up in, like, Placid a lot speed skating and also skiing uh, i skied so much that i should have bought skis and boots that actually fit me at some point right and i still only rented them a lot but then again uh, it depends if this is your hobby i think you should spend money on it but it's not yet her hobby she's never skied before and she bought skis but, which I, is but she should have I, oh, uh, I guess the thing <laughs> you're saying about that they just started dating is crazy but then why the fuck did you write into blair braver <laughs> I am I am so puzzled here, but here let's let's finish the question, um, which concludes with now I don't think we're going to split over this, but I'm very worried about setting realistic expectations for my abilities. Parentheses I'm clumsy and risk averse, and feeling pressured to perform to the point that I'm no longer having fun. What should I do? So it feels like there needs to be a she conversation. She climbs. What the fuck is she talking about? I don't know. Climbers. No, I don't. I no, no, no. I'm calling bullshit on question asker. She is a she is a climber enough that when you say climb, what do you think she means? Yeah, like rock climbing outside or inside. I would say outside. Yeah, but you that's don't why say, I'm thinking Denver, you know? No, I'm, I'm with you with yeah, Denver. Yeah. I, outside climbing? You're not risk averse. No, Absolutely you're not. Absolutely not. You're not clumsy if you can climb. Like, that's incredibly, exactly. like, you are using your body. I, I get how if you go from, like me, nothing to skiing a, like, you know, blue square trail, like, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, but this is, like, this person does a sport that involves potential bodily harm. This is not starting from nothing. Can I also say something? Yeah. I, I want to give more credit to, again, I think that I do this a lot with question asker describing other person because I think that I you, you got to read this like literary text, right? Yeah. The question asker is an unreliable narrator. Let's try to fill in boyfriend a little bit more. Yeah. You know what semi-professional skiers, everyone other than like Sean White, I'm saying Sean White because I don't know any professional skiers, <laughs> but you know who everyone other than Sean White has to do as a job? What? Ski instructor <laughs> to make money doing the thing you want to do. That's I'm sure point. he knows how to teach people how to ski. He has probably taught six-year-olds how to ski. Lots and lots. I bet. Yes. And the thing that she's saying about her being clumsy does not make any sense from the fact that she recreationally climbs. And, and I holds don't... her body weight on like a piece of putty that's two inches wide. But <laughs> even if it is indoor, which I don't even think it's indoor because she's riding into outside. Yes, like that's this true. isn't even like she's at an indoor gym. No, no, she's that's a good not, point. I think she is in Denver. This is not indoor magazine. <laughs> Tough exactly. love. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, no, you're not. People got in your head. Your friends got in your head. Yes. About this, and also you were hesitant from do, picking up the hobby that your your boyfriend is sem, was semi professional at. 
because you were worried about looking stupid in front of him. Yeah. And like, I think that's really what this is. I, I totally agree. And I feel like skiing is not a thing that you're like naturally gifted at. No, it every, takes a ton of work. Every skier has fallen, gotten hurt, and to your point, like taught people in exchange for their lift passes or to like live the lifestyle where you can become so good at skiing that you're semi You need a kajillion hours in yeah. skiing. And so I I agree with you on on this. Like I I don't think that someone who is that good at skiing and has especially skiing as a as a thing. Like you can be a surfer and just like go out there and figure it out and like never teach others to surf, but like that's not true for skiing. You you have a very realistic idea what someone with zero ski experience should do and is capable of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like this whole thing smells fishy. I think there's so much more context. I I just like fishing for context. Well, let's see what Blair has to say, shall we? All right. Blair's going to be much nicer about this than I was. Well, Blair starts with, what is going on with your friend's bad ski relationships? That's surprising. A lot of people learn hobbies from their partners. That's how most of the world gets their hobbies. And a lot of right. couples are still together. If they break up, it's probably not the hobbies that did it. So what's going on here? Yeah. Your partner was semi-pro. He knows the work it takes to get good. Thank and he'll you. probably have realistic expectations for your progress. One of the first tenets of teaching someone a new outdoor skill is to leave them wanting more. So if he's a good teacher, he'll give you frequent breaks and keep things low pressure. You'll probably be sore, so plan time in between to recover. And then she goes into, like, this is a good time to, like, practice communication. Think about what you want. Tell him what you expect. Tell him your fears, etc. You know how I know this is going to go badly? Because instead of that, she wrote into Outside Magazine. Yeah, yeah. She says, skiing is supposed to be fun. One of your favorite people in the world is teaching you one of his favorite things. That's what I'm saying. Why yeah. did they have to trade on it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It feels so suspicious. That feels suspicious. It feels very weighted to me. And I guess I'm trying to, like, color in the stuff around what Question Asker is saying. I I'm with you. Like, I, again, like, I this is the thing that I take away most from these replay uh, episodes, which I really appreciate, is, like, everybody is telling a story from their own perspective. And so I could definitely see this being like, hey, babe, I'd love to teach you how to climb. He's like, oh, my God, I'd love to teach you how to ski. Do you want to do both? Like, a summer hobby, a winter hobby? Incredible. No, no, no. But, like, you can also see, though, the scenario where he's like, I'll climb, but you have to ski. And then she goes, uh, sure. Oh, yeah, fine. Sure. Good. Yes. Well, that won't happen for four months because it's June. <laughs> That's what the letter, I think, is leading us to believe. And we don't know. We simply don't know. I guess so. I don't know. I think I think in all of these questions from the number of times we've done this is like question asker always wants to look good. Yeah. And every time someone writes in a question, you are you, the reason why people write into advice columns is because they get to, in writing, tell their side of the story and no one else gets to weigh in. Yeah. It feels like the question that, that they're really asking is, my boyfriend is silly for wanting to do this to me, right? right. Versus, I might have made a mistake in agreeing to this. What do I do now? Right. Or it's like, I'm worried about looking stupid in front of my boyfriend. The question that she's asking is the yes. same thing you said. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm calling bullshit on Question Asker. I, I like it. I wish I knew more, uh, but I'm curious what uh, everybody has to say in the comments. Hey, Outside Magazine, can you do follow-ups, please? Um, excuse me. Um, excuse me? Can you stop being a print magazine about the outdoors <laughs> and do follow-ups? Well, Eric, because I ran out of paywall articles, I did pay $20 for a year of access to Outside Magazine. Um, <laughs> and the, you didn't have to do that. Uh, I did. And uh, I just want you to read the other brands that come with this subscription. 
This is so funny. Okay. You can decide to keep this or not, but this is like um, buying like a porn subscription. <laughs> you get like 20 different wildly variant <laughs> things yeah. underneath it. Yep. It's like Outside Magazine, Trail Forks Pro, <laughs> Gaia GPS Premium, yep. Velo. Don't know what that is. Nope. Is that, what is Pink Bike? Don't know. See, biking for women? I, I couldn't tell oh, you. It's, that's one of the things you get in the porn package. Backpacker <laughs> and yoga journal. Incredible. I like it. I love how everything's plus. This is outside I plus. I know. It's the plusification. I love outside media. being a conglomerate of all these like smaller right? outdoor companies. It's I mean, listen, funny. 20 bucks a year is pretty good. Hell yeah. Um, Amanda, I feel like I do want to do at the end here. Um, I would like to ask, I have a question here to that's written in, oh. um, coming from uh, Eric Silver. I mean, like, hi, oh. um, I got peer pressured by my wife and perpetual guest on my podcast <laughs> to have a PS5. Yes. I have not plugged it in yet because I feel like I need, like, the right time to do it. Okay. Um, what do you think I should do? Um, I think that when your uh, real spouse and your work spouse say, hey, bud, you deserve to have nice things. You deserve to buy yourself a new gaming console once every checks watch four or five years. Uh, <laughs> and you deserve to play a game that you really like because you're an adult who is allowed to spend money on his hobbies. Uh, you should be like, you know what? Okay. And wasn't cool of your wife to cajole you to do that on public content. Um, <laughs> true, true. But you're allowed to, to you didn't do think any about public. it. You and Jasper did it in a, we did it on a in call. A, in a call. On a call. You, didn't, you didn't do For it For a few public. minutes and then, and then like, let, let you think about it. Um, but I am glad you did. And I think you should theme a little night in for yourself. I think you should get some empanadas from Queens. You should get some pizza from Brooklyn. You should get whatever makes you feel excited, like Miles Morales. Put on that soundtrack, which is a very good one that you love. Um, and really say, like, yeah, like, I am committing to this. I am plugging it in. And uh, I am going to play this game that my wife desperately wants to watch me play because it is in Queens. Yeah. Uh, being 32 is you say, what's up danger to plugging in a new console? <laughs> Also, we didn't have a DVD player, so that's helpful. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, did, does this one have a disk drive? It it it's, takes Blu-ray, yeah. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Um, so, yeah, the next time we do this, I will talk. I'll probably, in the next episode, I'm going to talk to Jasper about the PS5. I just not had, had not had a chance to do it. I'm on the last. I have 100%ed almost all of Super Mario Wonder. It's been out for six days. But uh, I still have one level left, which is so hard. And I feel like I need to beat it before I move on. I don't know if that's a fallacy. No. I guess I just think that I'm never going to come back to it unless I restart the game. So it's why I'm trying to like get it out of the way. But it's very, very difficult. I understand. And I, I think you're you're totally allowed to want to finish one game before starting another. So listen, it's just it's like your, I can't like schedule. in order for me to start the new game, I have to like set up a new console, which also feels <laughs> daunting. What's up, danger? What's up, danger? <laughs> What's up, danger? What's up, <laughs> plugging danger? up the HDMI port. Uh, that sounds like good content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited about it. Misha's been telling me about it. We just did it on the last episode. So I want to play. I'm going to play that and I'm going to play God of War Ragnarok, which I've somehow resisted a lot of spoilers for. Um, so I'm very, it's my P, it's my PlayStation exclusive machine, mm -hmm. man. I guess I haven't bought a new console in years. Like I would, no, you bought a switch, the switch and then the King of games. Yeah. I would count. Yeah. Well, it's half a work computer and it's shared between us. It's not, it's not simply a, a Peglin machine. But that was still like 20, that was 2020, 2020. Wow. You're right. That was like four years ago. Yeah. That's wild. You're allowed. All right, that's fine. It just <laughs> makes more sense to me. And hey, you're allowed to do it on your timetable. There is no right time or wrong time to start a new game, bud. Okay, fine. 
Amanda, where can people find you when you're not doing this podcast? I'm so Mickey. Incredibly Mickey. Now I'm she's so Mickey um, online. Also, I have a resume editing business. Uh, I don't ever <laughs> talk about it, but uh, if anyone uh, want, is a creative professional or a, a non-creative professional uh, and wants help and editing their resume professional. and applying to jobs and being like, hey, this sucks. Someone take it a hundred bucks and do it for me, please. Uh, BeehiveResumes.com. That's me. Hmm. I'm Eric. Follow me on Twitter. Listen to the podcast. Tell people about it. Um, Look at your good fall yeah. fits on TikTok. I, I need to post again on TikTok. I'm too tired to post. Do the What's Up Danger. TikTok. Do the What's Up Danger. No, I don't have this like edited <laughs> and set it up. I'm tired. Um, all right. Yeah. I forget how these episodes end up. But, uh, you know, there's nothing in the Normally manual. Normally you throw to me to make me say a saying. Oh, that's right. I usually yeah, do that. Yeah, and Amanda, yeah. we say the thing that we always say at the end of these episodes. What's up danger, bitches? <laughs> Games and Feelings is produced by Eric Silver and edited and mixed by Misha Stanley. The theme music is Return to French Toast Castle by Jeff Bryce, and the art was created by Jessica Boyd. Find transcripts for this episode and all episodes at our website, gamesandfeelings.com. Until next time, press X to enjoy the podcast.